Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, folks. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hanks, and today is March 15th, 2020, which means I'm on day 92 of 365 promised episodes that brings you movies, news, music, sports, entertainment, everything improv, unedited, unscripted, and of course, no politics. Sports news, folks, and yes, there is some sports news. UFC went down without a person in the crowd yesterday, and, you know, for good reason. It was kind of a lame fight. I will admit, Alex Oliveira won the battle between him and Kevin Lee, and Kevin Lee tried to act as though he didn't tap out when he was in a guillotine, and 100% anyone could see that he tapped out. People from across the globe without a TV in front of them, could see that he tapped out. I mean, I think there was a mark on Oliveira's body from the tapping of Kevin Lee. The guy tried to, like, play it off so weird. I mean, it was the most obvious tap out I've ever witnessed. And right afterward, he tried to get upset as if as if it never happened. I mean, that is what you call disrespect. Much to the dismay of Jorge Masvidal, who called Kevin Lee out afterwards, calling him a bitch for what he did, I will say Oliveira took it in stride. He won. He beat Kevin Lee's ass just completely, just whooped him. And, you know, it was a great fight. It, it, it had its ups and downs. Some of the moment, you know, some of it was a little bit slow, but with no crowd there, it just seemed a little less entertaining than you wanted it to be, you know? With no people screaming and everybody rising up and clapping and booing and all the things that they do at a UFC fight, it just seemed less exciting. You know, I feel bad for these guys, but they're doing what they got to do and they're still making it happen with or without a crowd in front of them on account of the coronavirus scare. And it turns out Dana White just proclaims that we will certainly still see the Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson fight which is coming up on April 18th. He promises it'll happen. Everybody was worried that it was going to get, you know, canceled like every other major event, but this thing is going to go down. They just need to find a new venue since Las Vegas won't allow them to host it. We will see Khabib versus Tony. I promise you that. A video has surfaced inside the Wuhan holding medical holding facility where there are people living like the disaster relief in the dome in New Orleans during the hurricanes. It's crazy to see it. The people have little huts or little, you know, just little beds. That's it. They just have little beds just stacked right next to each other in what probably is a normal apartment in China anyways. So, you know, I, I might be sadly used to it, but either way, the living conditions there are horrendous, trash piled up, I'm sure the stink is bad, I'm sure the, the spread of disease is just rampant and nobody can avoid it, and just trying to get healthy in that place would be really hard. I mean, these people are just suffering how are they expected to overcome the coronavirus when they're surrounded by other people who also have the coronavirus in a place 
or they can hardly breathe in air that doesn't have coronavirus. I gotta say, you know, it does not look good. Check out the video of the Wuhan... Wuhan? I don't know. I know it's Wu something. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang Clan, Wuhan, holding hospital facility with just tons and tons of people infected, living together as if it was some kind of disaster relief after a hurricane. How sad for them. I'm just feeling terrible about it. Movie review, folks. The Grudge. Yes, they did another one, and it's just called The Grudge, just like the original one. Now, I know there was all kinds of in-between stuff that happened, but this movie was just too many back-and-forth, bouncing-around plot twists that just had you always wondering what timeline they were in and what character was being, you know, harassed by the grudge. You know, it first depicts the woman coming out of the house in, I don't know, is it Hong Kong or, you know, somewhere in China or perhaps even Korea? I don't know. But she comes out of the original house that had the grudge in it. Then it shows, you know, a woman who had the grudge in her old mansion, and she was super old, and she murdered her black husband and then chopped off her own fingers. And then it jumped to John Cho and his wife, who were having a baby that, you know, had like ALS, and, you know, they had some kind of grudge, too, happening to them, and they were realtors, who he went to a house that had the grudge in it and maybe brought the grudge with him to end up killing his wife. And then it showed a detective, a female detective, trying to piece together all these grudges. And the grudge started following her. And then she found out her partner had the grudge following his ex-partner. And she went to go visit him in a hospital. And the grudge was still following him. It just... It seemed like too many plots in one movie. Just too many separate characters and separate timelines having too many grudges. And it was almost confusing. I mean, it all tied together at the end. It did. I won't deny that. But I must say, it was mildly entertaining in the fact that it had some disgusting grudge-related stuff. And it had a couple freaky moments. But other than that, I gotta say, I wouldn't see it again. I give it a 3.5 out of 10, and that's only because I recognize John Cho, and man, I used to love those Harold and Kumar movies, and you know, the actual scary side of the movie was, was you know, pretty up there. They did a fairly good job with the scary moments, but again, the plot twists and the timeline shifting, it was a confusing mess, poorly directed. I would not see the new grudge again, 3.5 out of 10. So my next door neighbor finally decided to get her just horrible backyard worked on by some guys. They came by, they started chopping down trees at 7 a.m. with a chainsaw. I, I don't even know how that's acceptable. But then I was told by somebody, I don't know if I believe it or not, that you can do loud stuff like that in your yard... At 7 a.m., it's acceptable. That's like the, the beginning point of each day that you're allowed to start, 7 a.m. 
What about people who don't go to sleep till midnight or one? What about people who have a newborn baby in their home like we do, who keeps them up all night and doesn't want to wake up to the sound of a chainsaw at 7 a.m.? And even worse today, after they already had the trees cut down from yesterday, they then took to the overgrown grass of her yard with a weed whacker instead of a lawnmower. Instead of a nice, quiet lawnmower quickly handling the whole yard, they weed whacked all the grass one strip at a time with one of those super loud motorized weed whackers. Not even an electric one. One of those just ridiculously loud one that just goes the entire time just guaranteeing that absolutely no one in my house would get an extra wink of shut-eye past the hour of 7 a.m. I mean, what a bunch of idiots. Get a lawn mower. You don't weed whack an entire backyard full of grass. You don't weed whack your lawn. You lawn mow it. Then you weed whack the edges. But not these guys. Oh, they're smart. They had their music blasting as well, so that every time the weed whacker stopped weed whacking, we could hear Bob Marley just bouncing up and down, screaming at the top of his lungs, hitting up the reggae to the highest degree, maxing out the, the ion in Zion crap that I had to listen to at 7 a.m. These guys are ridiculous. You know, and I think there needs to be a guarantee that people can't do that type of work until like 10 a.m. You know, come on, 10 a.m. That gives you like at least eight hours of daylight still during the time in which people are actually awake instead of cranking your super loud freaking weed whackers and, and leaf blowers and all their crap that they do right next to my window every weekend for one reason or another. I never sleep. Conor McGregor. Well, I'm sure he's been drinking a lot of proper number 12 because he's depressed as hell after losing his aunt to the coronavirus. Yep, she died. Conor McGregor's aunt died of the coronavirus, don't you know, laddie? And that is making this stuff real. I'm telling you. An MLB minor leaguer for the Yankees organization, also confirmed with the coronavirus. Two NBA players from the same team confirmed with the coronavirus. It seems like you cannot get out of the pathway of this destructive and killing machine. However, I still must point out that a lot of people do die from other illnesses and diseases. In fact, more commonly than the coronavirus, which doesn't really kill that many people. In fact, the first death in the state of Oregon from the coronavirus has occurred, and it was a 70-year-old man. Now, I'm not going to say that's not sad. That's a tragic thing to happen. That's a tragic event. But the guy was 70. You know, he lived a fairly long life. When you think about medieval times, man, people lived to like 25. This guy lived to 70 and almost got through the coronavirus, but he didn't. I gotta say, this thing is just wreaking havoc on everybody's lives, and it sucks. 
No, but people are staying strong, and I respect that. American citizens, especially, come together in crisis times. Just look at 9-11. You know, it goes all the way as far back as the Alamo. The Americans, when they need to come together, they do. During hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, everything that tragically occurs here, we get support from one another because in the end, folks, we are all Americans. And whether you're just a political person or you have religious background and somebody else doesn't, it, that none of that matters. We all live here and we all want that American dream to be healthy, happy, and pursue a dream of owning a property with your family and living out your days without stress. And, you know, we got to make that happen. So come together, give something to your neighbor, help out a friend, house somebody who has no place to sleep, do what you can during this coronavirus crisis, folks, because that is the American way. Wait times at airports right now are out of control. Some folks say they waited seven hours to get their screening for coronavirus after they landed before they could finally leave the airport and go home. Or, even worse, flights are being delayed, folks are waiting before they even travel, and then also waiting when they land wherever they're going. Yeah, this is crazy. They need some kind of like artificial intelligence scanning machine. You just walk up, tells you what you got. You know, why don't we have that anyways? Remember Star Trek? They would have that little device. They would just turn it on and run it across the body of somebody. It would tell you exactly what they had, exactly what they needed, where they can find the cure, you know, what planet it was on, whatever. Why don't we have anything near that? You know, we have CAT scans, x-rays, MRIs. Put it all into one, one quick flash of a light that goes through everybody's body and tells people what's wrong with them, all the way down to like, you've got tendonitis in your foot, you know, you've got, you've got hair loss coming up in the next couple years, we can tell from the scan, and then put the scan on coronavirus mode, where, you know, it only tells you if they have the corona. Nothing else. We don't want to leak anyone's personal information. Oh, you have coronavirus and erectile dysfunction. Everybody laughs. No, we're not trying to do that. Just tell us if they have corona or not, and then have them be on their way. Because otherwise, this seven-hour wait time's crap. Well, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, we've already disrupted the travel industry to the highest degree. It's losing money. Everybody's screwed. But let's not disrupt it even more by making it so annoying that not one person is gonna go anywhere you know unless that's your plan you're like hey the only way to stop people from flying make it more annoying you know we can't mandate a no-fly law maybe that's not acceptable maybe people wouldn't allow that to happen and instead we just have to make it so annoying that everybody's like all right i ain't doing this i'm not going seven hours to wait to get a coronavirus thing just to visit my aunt in Texas, who, you know, is only a few hours away. No, I'd rather drive there. If it's going to take seven hours anyways in an airport, I'll drive from where I'm at and get there in seven anyway. And I don't know. All I can say is, 
it's getting crazy, and the cruise ships thing is just stupid. There's yet another cruise ship, a transatlantic cruise ship, searching for a place to dock because they have five confirmed coronavirus people. I don't want to call them coronavirus people, but five cases of coronavirus confirmed in different folks on their cruise ship, and nobody wants them to dock. Well, why the hell are you on a cruise ship right now? This is not new stuff. Nobody go on a cruise ship for at least a month. Period. Why are they even cruising at all? No more ships cruising. Cruising for a bruising and the coronavirus. It's just like hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Cruise ship and coronavirus. You will get it or you will get stuck on one. So don't be, unless you enjoy, you're like, hey, you know what my dream is? My dream is to sit on a cruise ship that won't dock anywhere because there's protesters that don't want me in their country and just be on the ocean secluded and stuck in my room the whole time. You know, hey, if you're like somebody running running from some murderers on the mainland, you know, or you got some debts to pay and you don't want people to catch up with you, well, that's a perfect spot for you. Nobody's going to go there to find you. They don't want coronavirus. But for every single other person on the planet who doesn't want to live that way, do not go on a cruise right now, you moron. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast known as Real Stories, brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankston Barbecue, and that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when I went to jail and actually knew some of the inmates. So, folks, when I showed up to Washington County Jail, I was a wreck. I was so afraid of going into the general population. I looked like a little bitch. I still do. But back then, I looked like a teeny little baby. I mean, I was pathetic. So I was so freaked out that I'm just going to get in there and there'll be a riot or something and I'll get mixed up in there and just be the first one to get stabbed because I'm the littlest bitch of all of them. You know, or I would get butt raped. But it comes to find out that county jail is not the same as prison. For the most part, people in jail are waiting to get out whereas people in prison are waiting in prison for a long time. So I went to Washington County Jail, and after a couple days, I finally got put into their bright orange jumpsuit with pink boxer shorts and these little brown basket weave sandals. And I believe the worst part about the entire experience was when they made me strip naked, bend over, spread my butt cheeks, and cough so that if I had shoved drugs up my butthole, they would shoot out. Well, I don't do sick and twisted crap like that. I wasn't addicted to drugs. I got caught with weed. So there was no chance that I shoved anything up my ass to bring it into jail with me. That was embarrassing as hell. It was absolutely humiliating, and I'm pretty sure the cop that made me do it enjoyed it. He was like a sick and twisted piece of shit. Well, whatever. So I put on the jumpsuit and I go in to what is known as pods. Yes, these holding cells or these pods where you're waiting to get put into general population. So I got into this pod one 
And as soon as I walk in, somebody yells, What up, Pete? And I'm thinking, oh my god, of course I know somebody who's in here. And he comes up to me, and he's like, dude, it's me, Phil, your friend. I I tell you, I don't know this guy. I still don't know him. I only know him now as the guy who knew me in jail. And you know what? He did help me get through the first week, which was tough as hell. Because I was worried, you know, I I didn't want to cry in front of everyone, look like a bitch. But I wanted to cry inside so badly because I was scared and just thought that I was going to be there forever because I was facing the felonies and I didn't know what to expect. But this guy, Phil, this white dude buddy of mine who, well, not really a buddy of mine, but a buddy of mine was friends with this dude, Phil. You know, my longtime childhood friend, Mike Bishop, apparently knew this dude, Phil, and I had hung out with him. And Bishop, multiple times, according to this guy. He's like, oh, man, yeah, I know you, man. You sold weed and all this stuff. And I'm like, don't say anything about anything illegal I've ever done, you piece of shit. He's like, all right, fine, man. I won't talk about that. Whatever, if that's what you want. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I don't want to talk about things that will incriminate me even further while I'm waiting in jail to go to court. And so, the first couple nights I was in there, Me and Phil, we stayed up all night telling jokes and being annoying. I'm sure the other people in the pods freaking hated us. But, you know, it was the only way to pass the time. Until I got separated from Phil and put into a different pod. And in this pod, there was Crying Guy. Yep, this guy who cried every night about the fact that he beat his girlfriend. And he wanted us to feel bad for him. Although all of us thought he was a piece of shit because he beat his girlfriend and that's why he was in jail. So we didn't feel bad for him. We wanted him to stop crying like a pussy, but he was a fairly big dude. I mean, he was ripped. So I'm not going to lie. I wasn't going to tell him to shut up because I don't want this dude to just snap or have some other emotional problem and just beat the shit out of me. So I kept my mouth shut. But one night after this dude was crying like a bitch over and over talking about Oh, man, you know, man, I hit my girl. I can't believe I hit my guy. I would never do that, man. I, I, I can't believe I did. I know I did wrong. I know I shouldn't have done it, but I love my girl. Just kept talking like that and crying. It's like 11 p.m. And this little dude, probably the size of me, keeps telling him to shut up. And this dude won't shut up until the little dude snaps. And he runs over to this guy. Puts him in a chokehold, drops him to the ground till he passes out, and then the little dude goes back to sleep. Now, I come to find out later, the little dude was a all-state wrestling champion, and he was quiet the whole time, except when he was telling this crier to shut up. And if he just couldn't take anymore, he did us all a favor and got the crier to shut up by passing him out. But the dude was passed out, like, right in front of my bunk, of course. My little slab of concrete they give you that comes off of the wall as a solid piece of concrete and a rectangle off the wall. So there's no way you can stash anything under it, around it. It's a solid piece of concrete. The only thing you can do is stash something underneath the little wafer-thin foam mattress they give you that sits on top of the solid concrete block. Which, by the way, 
is unbelievably uncomfortable. But of course, it's jail. You're not supposed to be comfortable. Screw me. You know, I'm a piece of crap. I'm a criminal in jail. You know, who the hell cares? So one of the nights that we, you know, we were in jail. And to put things into perspective, in case you've never been in jail, they feed you dinner at 5 p.m., which is always slop. You know, it's terrible. Every meal I had there was absolute garbage, except one breakfast day, they actually gave us those mini boxes of Cheerios and milk. Now, that was one day I actually ate. But every other day, they gave you slop, and I suffered from severe acid reflux, which they wouldn't give me medicine for because I'm in jail. Screw me. So I could not eat a bite of something without getting just all day death, heartburn, and puking blood and crap like that. So I didn't eat anything. And one day... When they were feeding us at 5 p.m. and then turning off the lights at like 10 p.m. So there's a five-hour gap between the scraps maybe you barely nibbled on at dinner and the time in which they turn off the lights, which generally about an hour after the lights went out, people would shut the hell up and actually go to sleep. So between 5 and 11 p.m., I would be starving. My stomach would be eating itself so much. I would have to lay in a specific position to ensure that the growling of my stomach didn't keep me awake. But some guy decided he was going to save these little snack cakes that we got from lunch. You know, they were like wannabe Little Debbie, you know, coffee cake type things that were probably made in the county jail. And they were terrible. But one guy, he didn't mind them. He liked them. And he saved his in a napkin in his pocket throughout, or I don't even think we had pockets. So I don't know how he did it, but he saved the snack cakes and he would hoard them under his little foam mattress so that at night around 9 or 10 p.m. he could eat one of them and then actually be able to fall asleep having not had a completely empty stomach like mine. So, you know, the, the concept behind this was smart, but what happened they raided our pod at 4 a.m. one day, flipped all of our mattresses over, came in screaming at us, shouting, just being so freaking crazy, and pulled us out of these pods like we were just animals. And they just told us that somebody was hoarding snack cakes. And because of that, we were all in trouble. And what do you know? It happened to be the guy whose bunk was in the same little section of the pod as mine was. So then they began to question me, Oh, Mr. Hengst, were you also hoarding snack cakes like this guy next to you? Or did you hoard any for him? Or did you eat any of his hoarded snack cakes? And I, I'm, I'm not even like understanding what they're asking me. I'm like, this is so stupid that I'm like dealing with this shit in jail. That I'm at defending myself against snack cake hoarder guy and then listening to crier guy the days before that. This is all so freaking messed up and ridiculous. And then the next day, after the dude got taken away and put into solitary confinement for hoarding snack cakes, I see one of the snack cakes on my lunch tray and I start laughing about it. I'm like, this is disgusting. I don't want this snack cake. So I kind of push my tray of food in front of me because I don't want it. And immediately another inmate walks up and he says, Hey man, uh, if you're not going to eat that, uh, can, I, can, I have, can I have the snack cake? 
And I'm like, yeah, of course, you can have the freaking snack cake, all right? I don't want that nasty piece of crap. You can have this whole tray of disgusting food. And so I give him the tray, and about five seconds later, this gigantic Mexican gangbanger, who I only knew because I lived across the street from him, where he sold cocaine, and his name is Cartoon, and he, he was just a full-on Mexican gangbanger, and I only knew him because I lived across the street from him. I had no other affiliations with him whatsoever. He walks up to the dude who asked me for my snack cake, picks him up with one hand by his shirt, throws him on the table, and tells him if he ever asks me for anything again, that he will murder him. And I'm like, hey, I have nothing to do with this. I gave the guy my snack cakes. I don't care. You know, I mean, he can have all the food that I don't want. But, you know, that doesn't mean I'm his bitch or anything. And also, am I now your bitch for, like, stopping the guy from asking me for my food now and stuff? You know, and I just wanted to get this stuff straight. I just wanted to make sure this dude didn't think I was going to be his bitch or something. Because he stopped this guy from asking me for food. But he turns to everyone else and he goes, I don't want to see any of you ever ask this dude for anything again. And I'm like, well, hey, you know, that's cool. I, I, I had like a guardian angel dude for no reason. All because his nephew would come to my house and smoke weed with me when he lived across the street and sold huge amounts of cocaine. I mean, this, this all is the craziest stuff. Like, I can't make this shit up. It's real. I can't believe it happened, but it did. And the lesson to be learned here, folks, is when you're in jail, don't give your food to anyone. Either throw it away or eat it. But as soon as you give it to someone, then they're going to expect you to give them your food every day, is what the guy told me afterward. He's like, hey, he's like, freaking don't give anything to anybody in here or they're going to think you're a little bitch who will give up his stuff all the time, and I'm just protecting you. And, you know, another lesson to be learned, you never, you can never count out a Mexican gangbanger that you hardly knew to back you up because once in a blue moon like this, they're just going to come to your aid. You know, and I didn't really need him because I was just giving away my food, but nobody ever said anything to me after that dude yelled at everybody and scared the shit out of I mean, he's... This dude was like Samoan looking, but he was Mexican. He was a giant. I don't know how that's possible. Most Mexican folks I know, they're either my height or shorter, but this dude was a giant. And he, he was watching my back, and so was Phil, who I only know now because he thought he knew me or said he did, but we shared a pod in Washington County Jail. I hope you enjoyed that wonderful story about my life, folks. It's so great. I just, you know, I cherish that memory. No, I hated it. I hate everything about the fact that I even went to jail for weed. It's embarrassing. I can't even believe I got a felony for marijuana. It's the stupidest thing in the freaking world. But it happened. And I'm going to share it with you because that is my life and it's ridiculous. Thank you for tuning into the Peter Gavitt Podcast. It means the world to me, folks. I love each and every one of you so very much. Have a great day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Sometimes in life, folks, you just gotta sit back and swallow your pride. So here's Inside Out by Eve Six to remind us all why the 90s had the worst music. 